Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today we are bringing back our friend Ashley, who you may know as Recloth Collection. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for coming back on. Hey, thanks for having me again. Of course, of course. So today, Ashley's coming on to talk about whatnot. We just released an episode last week where we had someone else come on, Heather, Dr. Thrifty, come on and talk about whatnot and her perspective on it. And today we're going to talk to Ashley and talk about whatnot, Posh Lives, her perspective on it, because she's kind of done a little bit of both. And um, and just her experiences with it, because I think it's nice to hear other people's stories as well. But I'm sure there are people listening who don't know who you are, Ashley. So why don't you give a brief little intro as to who you are, how you got into reselling and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I've been reselling for, gosh, I, COVID. I'm like, is it three or four years? I think it's four years now. <laughs> I know. I, I said that at work the other day. I was like, I don't know the difference between 2019 and 2022. No. So I just know I've been saying three years for a very long time. So I'm like, <laughs> it must be four. But I think it was like in 2019. So it's probably just, just coming up on four. So we'll say about four years. Yeah. Um, I finally, you know, after probably year one, moved into more revolved designer brands. So that's kind of what I do right now. And now I've obviously gotten into live selling and that's been a lot of fun. So yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah. Um, Ashley has a great YouTube channel, which we were just talking about that she doesn't upload to anymore. Like me. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> we'll see. It'll we're be kind of in the same boat. I'm kind of like, maybe it'll be like, that's why you should subscribe because you'll never know. You just like yeah. you need to subscribe. It's just so a surprise. Figure it out. You know? Yes. It's we'll a see. pleasant surprise when there's a video. That's kind yeah, of like yeah. what my, my whole thing is now. I'm like, I'm back. Hi, here I yeah. am after three months. Enjoy. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll just see. don't have time. Um, okay. So I guess the first question I have for you is like, what made you want to dive into the live selling space on whatnot when it became so big in our space and in clothing, right? Because you have a very successful reselling business outside of live selling. Mm-hmm. So Honestly, to be straightforward, I think like the ultimate biggest reason other than obviously, oh, have a way to clear out stuff and make money was that I knew if it was going to be something that was going to be big, I wanted to be like an early adopter for it because I know how much of a benefit that could be. So I didn't want to pass up that opportunity. So like long, like that's probably the biggest thing with it. In addition to being able to, because I honestly, when I first started, I didn't know how much people were making from it. I know people were selling, but I wasn't like, I have no idea what people are making. I think actually after helping Regina show, because she went on and then I helped her with it. And after kind of going through that with her kind of, doing that show with her, seeing how much she made from it. Cause I was skeptical at first too. I was like, I don't know, but she did really well. So I was like, okay, I think I could do this too. And that's kind of what pushed me over mm. um, after really like thinking about it for some time. And I'm really glad I did. I, you know, I think it's, it's been really good so far. And I always say like, you know, with live selling, there's, there is a lot of unknowns and some people are like, it's just as bad. It's grown so quickly, this and that. But at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I've earned X amount of money and, you know, just this month alone or whatever, the past month. And that's worth it in itself, even if, you know, live shows were shut down tomorrow. So, yeah. So I, so when you were like, okay, I'm going to try this, watch Regina's show, helped her out. It seems like I can do it because you guys sell very similar things. Did you go into it like thinking, this is what I make on Poshmark, for example, or eBay, whichever one. And I need to know what my bottom line is going to be for whatnot. Or did you kind of like say, we're going to experiment. We're going to see what happens. Because I think 
there's two perspectives on that, right? Like, I feel like me personally, I'd be like, I need to write everything down to make sure that I hit X, Y, and Z, because that's super important to me, instead of just experimenting with it. Yeah, I definitely was more so experimenting with it. And now my expectations are more off of what I have done, not mm. setting standards for myself, have got having going into it. Does that makes sense. And I feel like you can't set yourself those kind of expectations, even until after maybe like the third or fourth show, because your first show is always really great. You know, you can market it for a really long time, hype it up. I heard they like push out like your first shows more or something. Um, so that's why I feel like it's good to kind of see. But my mindset of even how much I make off things and all that has changed a lot on whatnot. And it's not the same as what I make, I guess you could say per item on my posture or on eBay. Are you happy with the amount you're making on whatnot? Oh, yeah, I'm very happy with it. I mean, it's been a lot of work and a lot of time. But I mean, it's, I don't know how much I made last month. But it wasn't that much even short of like what I do on like, Hmm. and eBay together. So it can be really good. Um, But I did have, I think, two shows a week. And then the other day, I did like five shows. But I also didn't do one the week of Posh Fest. So it was definitely good money to be made. And that's why I see it as a really good avenue because it does allow me to turn over, you know, items quickly. It allows me to clear out things. If it is old, it's stale. I definitely see it as an avenue for, you know, turning over items that have been sitting for, you know, a year plus. And although it may not be as much money, there's just, you're just selling so much in a short amount of time that at the end of the day, I've never really cared. You know, I've always just cared about what I'm putting into it and what I'm getting out. And that return is there on live selling for me. And so that's why I can help you with it. I think it's interesting because I've seen both sides of it when I've watched whatnot shows Mm -hmm. where you have people that are doing just like the pure liquidating things, starting things at a dollar or, you know, like, however, whatever those items are to them, they're starting them really low and maybe they're selling between that five to $15 mark. And then I go into like your show and a few other people that do maybe luxury or mid tier and they're starting their items at a higher price point and they're still able to sell them and sell out shows. And it's just interesting to me because I guess my assumption, right, of whatnot is that the buyer pool is mostly resellers right now. Would you agree? On whatnot, I would say so. And that's where we can talk about like pop, the difference between yeah. posh lives because I feel like, or posh shows. But I do think there are more buyers on Poshmark. And I think they have a better opportunity to grow with buyers versus we're not really seeing that change necessarily as quickly on whatnot. Do you think, and this is like where my thought process is, yeah. that because the pool on whatnot is mostly resellers in the clothing market. Because as we know, and like collectibles and stuff, there are buyers on whatnot for that, like trading cards, all that. Yeah. But in clothing, because it's taking a long time for buyers to come in for that, do you think it's going to start drying up for you on there? Because resellers after a while are going to stop. They're not going to want to buy as much or as often because there's so many people on there, right? What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on that? I definitely think it's going to maybe slightly decrease it's still pretty early to say and things before I haven't had a show in two weeks I actually have a show today so we're kind of going to see how you know how things are going now because two weeks ago like that's the thing with whatnot things can change so quickly overnight Mm -hmm. two weeks ago things were still going good my last show before ending there were some items that definitely didn't you know I was like oh that sold 
so much better before I, or whatever. And I'm still making similar profits, I would say, but maybe it's gone down. It always just depends. And that's the thing with live selling and just knowing who's in your show and who's going to buy it. So it's hard to say if maybe you just didn't have the right person in your show that one last time or if it is really drying up. But I can yeah. see it if they don't keep pushing for more buyers that people are going to, I mean, because I, I feel I, it's happened with me. Like I was buying so much before and I do only buy for myself even on yeah. whatnot, but I was buying so much before and you only start to realize like I'm spending so much money, you <laughs> yes. know, and you realize, okay, I have to like, you know, kick back a bit. And even with whatnot, when it started, and I know it's also this with myself is that when I wasn't having as many shows, I had more time to be a buyer and stuff in shows. But now that I'm running my own shows, I'm so busy running them. I don't even have time to watch other shows as much anymore. So as more people are running their own shows and being busy with it, it's, I think, less and less people are kind of in that buying phase of things. And I think because of Posh Lives, Posh Shows, whatever it's going to be called, right? Um, you're seeing some of those people that maybe started on whatnot migrate back to Poshmark because it just makes more sense since that's where the majority of the items are listed. And to be honest, and we can start talking about Posh shows, but Mm -hmm. um, I like the format of the, like, I don't like the format of whatnot. There's something about it that aesthetically I struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it is. There's just something about it that seems more elementary level where on the Posh shows, I liked the aspect that the listings are already up there. You can kind of just pull them and there's now they have the store feature. So everyone can see what it is that you, you know, have there for sale. I like the way it looks. I think the colors they picked, the fonts they picked, the way they did the little live thing at the top. Like, Mm -hmm. I know those seem so minute, but to like to the Poshmark buyer, that's what they expect. Something pretty, something that runs really smoothly. I was shocked that Posh shows ran as smoothly as they did day one. Shocked. I didn't anticipate it. Yeah. No, I was actually really surprised when I did my first one because I felt like I was like, oh, geez, do I know everything I'm supposed to do? Like, I've never really, really touched this before. But it was like, even on the seller end, like really user-friendly, really hard to mess up, you know, versus um, whatnot. There are definitely things you're like, okay, do I click this button or this button? I think it's just very straightforward. And there definitely were kinks and there are things they're working on. But like you said, for just for first launch, I mean, you, I feel like, you know, too, just like it's, Yes. You can't expect perfection or anything close. <laughs> anything that's slightly good is a super winner when it comes to all like right. first The launches. bar was low. Let's be real, Ash. Yeah. Like the bar <laughs> was real low for all of us that have been around and like have been through quite a bit with it all. And it was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. So you had all this experience with whatnot. You sign up for the POS shows, obviously not knowing what it was going to be like, because I don't think anyone really knew, like, is this yeah. just going to be total garbage? Is it going to crash? Are the servers going to go crazy? Like, what's going to happen? What was, like, if you were to compare and contrast your first whatnot show and your first POS show, how would you compare them and kind of share the differences and similarities? Well, I'll say in terms of how I felt about them, I felt a little bit more confident with whatnot, probably only because I was working on the back end with Regina and I had yeah. seen it beforehand. So that's probably the biggest difference. Probably if I had never done a whatnot show before or helped with it, I would have been like, okay, I'm, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, but in terms of the, the usage of it, once I realized just from the first item, what I need to do, it was so like smooth thing from there. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if they've updated or not. I know they've made tons of updates since like even the first two weeks of the launch. 
you know, there are a couple things that were just kind of like efficiency things of scrolling through and clicking your items, not really having an order for them, this and that. But overall, it was really seamless. I mean, on whatnot, it definitely, I don't know, I use two devices for whatnot. Um, you're only allowed to use one device for Poshmark. So it's not even like an hmm. option to have two things. You're only allowed to stream off of one item. I mean, that mean one device. So you can only use your phone. So maybe that makes it somewhat different in terms of how you're using it because you're almost forced just to use one. Um, I've never even used one device on whatnot, even tried to do it. Um, so even just the logistics of it, of how you're going back and forth, clicking things, it's just different in, in that regard between whatnot and Poshos. Do you think it's easier to use the one or two device? That's why it's so weird. I don't know. Like, I feel like for Poshmark, it made, it made sense. After I was like, oh, yeah, this is fine for the one device. But I've never actually done it on whatnot. So no, I don't know. I feel like I like the two devices because the only issue with the one the one device on Poshmark is that when you go to, like, pin an item, you, yeah. can't, see the, you can't see the comments. When If they're moving fast, then you kind of just miss the whole chat versus that's what's great about whatnot is you can keep your phone the same. And you can still see on computer, like all the comments and everything while you pin the item. Hmm. It's interesting how like it's, they're two of the same things, but they're so, Mm -hmm. they're also different in the way that they function. So let's talk about selling and what that experience has been like for you. So selling on Posh, what that buyer market looks like, the items that maybe have moved on Posh that maybe didn't move on whatnot, or do you think it's about mm-hmm. the same, same items are moving on both platforms? So right now I kind of have it separated and I've decided to separate it in some sort of way of doing more uh, trendy mall brands and also mature designer brands on Poshmark and sprinkle in maybe a couple other things. Um like in terms of Revolve, like the Veronica Beer, the Love Fancy on Poshmark, and then but do more of that Revolve um, kind of mid-tier luxury on on whatnot. That's what mm. I found. I, well, here's the thing. So it those items sold good, like my Veronica Beer dresses, uh, my like Alison Olivia dress that sold, and my Poshmark. They sold well, but the thing is they just sold just as well on whatnot and with whatnot taking the same, a smaller percentage. Yeah. Then I'd rather sell them on there versus the mature designer brands sold for more on um, Poshmark and more of like the trendier um, like mall brands sold better on there too. So, and the thing is everyone's been talking about like the percentages of, you know, they're taking higher fee, which definitely comes into play, but I haven't been thinking about it too, too much because I mean, I found that the average thing sells for 30, 40, if you're looking at average like 30, $40, And the end of the day, you're only looking at three, four dollars right. extra. Right. And that's literally only one extra click. It's literally like, you know, when you get to like that $30 range, like when you hit one button, it'll probably go up by the bid will go up by that amount anyways. So you're really only needing one more click in order to reach that. So I mean, and that's what you know, posture when it comes to big fees, you know, 20% when you're selling one hundred dollar items and stuff, I mean that makes a big difference. Um, so I think that's important to look at. It's like when you're looking at items that might sell for 80 to a hundred dollars in the live selling, but that's, I feel like sometimes that can be so rare, you know, yeah. to really get that. And that's where, and that's why I think selling like a Veronica Beer dress or blazer or things like that do better on whatnot, because I'd rather sell it for $80, even $60 on whatnot than on Poshmark because $80 is going to take, you know, an extra eight bucks. So that's kind of my thinking of like what I'm looking to sell and my thought process on the selling. 
Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point because it is 20% on Posh. It'd be just like if you sold it on your own, right? It's 20% and it is mm-hmm. what it is. Um, the shipping is different on Posh and we can talk about the whole bundling thing afterwards, but on whatnot, it's what, 8%? Is that what it is? This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It ends up being about 11% because 11%. you have to take into account the three, uh, three-ish percent for a PayPal transfer fees. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it is, it is less. It is less. Yeah, it's so definitely can, less. Yeah. I can see why. I, I So I can see why people kind of tend to prefer that in a selling front because it is less. The other, I think, is a buyer with whatnot, you can bundle and the shipping decreases, right? Once yeah. you purchase something. So that's really nice. Where I'm posh, I... I believe they mentioned it at, in the in Poshfest. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you were there. They are going to work on bundling on Poshmark. Is that definitely something they're going to be doing? Yes, I believe they said. I actually had to like leave during the hackathon, and I couldn't hear everything. But I believe they said they were going to at least look into it. I don't think that's something they've updated yet. But that's why even more so, especially for my first show, and my show is continuing on, is that. I continue to put things in the show and it works really well for winter because I do pick up a lot of blazers and jackets and shoes and stuff where at the end of the day people are getting cheaper shipping on Poshmark because or else it'll be nine plus dollars on whatnot so mm-hmm. you know you can look at it either way but even though I guess with bundling it'll still go down but still once they get the bundling into play I think it'll almost be cheaper especially with the winter season so I've been more yeah. I've just been trying to be selective at least with being cognizant of the shipping on Poshmark and be like, okay I don't want I want to put something that someone's gonna be like oh this is worth shipping on its own I'll like I'll pay eight dollars for this instead of just you know putting something that might sell for ten dollars and somebody like I'm not paying literally the same price for shipping yeah I, I think that's my thought process on it too or maybe you even structure your shows that way like let's say you're listening you're like well I don't really know what I want to sell on Posh because of that you know, that they can't bundle and the 20% and all that, I'd say go for the heavier items. The item that you know yeah. is going to cost way more money on what not to, to ship because it's based off of weight. Yeah. But that one on your Posh Live instead, because someone will gladly pay eight ninety nine for something that weighs four pounds. Like, you yeah. know, that's, that's the perk of it. Exactly. Exactly. And I always, I think I brought this up in my first show too, is that like, Right now, especially with like holiday shipping, like when I'm shipping on eBay, when I'm shipping priority, it's always over eight dollars. So mm-hmm. people for you know, I want to ship most of my items priority, get that um insurance. So even at eight dollars, you know, you're almost getting a deal on it if you know you're looking at just that shipping that one item. I know bundling still would decrease a lot, but in terms of finding just looking at I'm talking about talking about one item, which was shipping one yeah. item. So I feel like I would not really necessarily want to spend again like I said ten dollars and pay eight dollars for shipping yeah I agree with you and I guess the other aspect of the pause shows that I think is in terms of like accounting right like I know we both have our own way of accounting for things but if someone just uses like the reports that Poshmark has. The nice thing about Posh shows is that everything is integrated. So whether you're selling it on the platform mm-hmm. itself or you're doing the live shows, it's all going to be integrated within your inventory report or your sales report. 
um, you know, maybe you'll use that report to upload into whatever system it is that you use. Like, I love that aspect of it. And we already know what those reports look like and how detailed they are. I've heard, I've never seen, but I've heard the whatnot report is not quite there yet. Yeah, I honestly don't. Even, I've never even pulled the one-out report. <laughs> I just do everything. I just, I created yeah. my own Google sheet again. And I was like, I just, you know, take into account what it's sold for the fees. Because um, I don't think it even counts really the shipping and everything like that. But yeah, I literally don't touch either reports. But like you just said, if it is someone who does, you know, utilize the posh reports, it's so much easier. And, you know, the shipping is still in the same my sales tab and such. So the only negative is that it it can be a a lot still shipping on the let's talk system. about shipping because I think across the board yeah. whether it's a posh live or whatnot it's a lot of work yeah well I literally just realized um while at posh fest that I've been doing it inefficiently like I've been shipping out on whatnot like one by one and I didn't know there's a way to print them all at once like email them to yourself oh. you can do that on whatnot I didn't know that. And I guess so I'm excited tomorrow to ship and see which faster it's going to be uh, because I was just doing it one by one. But Poshmark wasn't, I guess, the only thing because I do like still, and that's the one thing why Poshmark trips so long is like, you know, on whatnot, you sell 40 items, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you get like 25, 30 packages, you know, and because nothing's already packaged, I'll put a, all the bundle together, put it in one Ziploc baggie, and then put that, ship it away versus. On Poshmark, you literally have to put every single item in its own individual bag, and you're literally shipping out yeah. 40 individual packages. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah, that was not fun. Um, how do you structure that? Like, how do you stay organized with it? Because you do sell a good amount of things. I mean, mm-hmm. you could sell out an entire show. You could have 50 items and sell them all out. Like, how do you personally keep that organized, whether it's during the show or afterwards? Like, how, how do you do that? So the biggest thing I think for me that helps me stay organized is I have like one specific, I have like my show rack and that is the rack that, you know, I put everything on there, keep it in order when I have my show and then I'll roll that over to my showroom now, I guess you can call it. And then when it's done, I'll roll it over to my shipping room and then I just kind of keep that on the side for my shipping table and I pretty much will just like grab one at a time, ship it, grab another kind of just go in that order. I, I bought those little tags at first, like the little number tags. That oh, yeah, the number one. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I feel like that's important. It, it would be helpful if I had um, somebody helping me with shipping. But, like, I know what all my items are that I just found it was taking more time to, like, put them on. And, it, like, I wasn't really using them at all. So I, I don't really use those anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because you see people do it differently, right? Like you see some people put it back on a specific rack. You see people using the numbers and like marking it, like everyone does it a different way. But if, I guess, have you done more than 50 items in a show? Do you think it would no, change? Only, um, No, I don't think so for me. Like I, I, yeah, like you said, everyone does it differently. I feel like whatever mm-hmm. system you have that helps you stay organized is the best system for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I found what works for me and- until I find something else, then, you know, I'm good. I'll, you know, maybe I'll use the, the numbers in the future if I ever have someone helping me out. But for now, it's, it's only still been a month. So I'm still, you know, I, figuring it's true. Out, you know, like, I feel like, like it's been forever, though, that I like know. certain people have been selling up. It's, it's all we've seen the last like yeah. 60 days. And I feel yeah. like I don't even know who's selling on what anymore. Like, you know, I, I, I have a hard time engaging with all the shows like 
And I get it's like a personality and like entertainment aspect of it. And some people you just don't appeal to, like they just don't appeal to you. And that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that individual person or their show. It's just that the way they may carry the show or the way they may do things just doesn't work with their vibe. And um, I, I try really hard to stay in shows and to watch them. But I have found that I I struggle with that. Like it just, maybe it's just not my I don't know, my favorite way of sell, of buying. Maybe that's really what it is. Maybe I would really enjoy the selling aspect of it. I think I would. I think I, I would enjoy being that person in front of the camera selling things, but I don't, buying that way just doesn't work for me. And I think that's why I struggle sometimes to like sit and watch shows. Like I've watched your shows. I've watched Ashley Wheeler's shows. I've watched mm-hmm. various people's shows, people that I'm friends with. You know, I like to hop in and support. Yeah. Um, but I'm not always necessarily like, I got to wait for the next item that I need to buy. I like, that's not, that's not me. Um, and maybe Uh that's why I haven't jumped on. Like I need to figure this out and start selling on there. Now. I am curious though, to see how posh shows evolve because I think I would try that because of the buyer pool. Yes. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like people are really starting to think that to a lot of people are like, I don't know about what not, but now that posh shows are coming out, also, you know, so, and I feel like I was able to direct so many more people to my posh show because it's like, everyone has a Poshmark account, you know, you just have to click on over. And even if you don't want to say like, you didn't have to sign up for anything or anything like that. So yeah, I think more yeah. people are going to come on. I'm very interested to see, especially now that people can create shows whenever they want now. Um, it'll oh, be that's really, a thing. They officially launched yeah, that now. Yeah. So people like you'll see shows that, you know, all time of day now. So that will be interesting to see kind of now that buyers don't just have to hop on, you know, at one time a day to see, you know, only these eight shows a day, they can go on whenever. It'll be very interesting to see kind of what people experience, you know, who maybe have just started the Poshmark closet, don't have as big following or anything like that, what they're experiencing as well. Because I do think a lot of it's probably going to be also personal marketing is probably going to be huge, I think, with it. Um, and it'll be interesting to see just like how much, I wish I could tell more how many people are being driven to your shows, like from your closet, you know, versus I wish you had like those insights kind of like, you know, on YouTube, like how many people are clicking into your Mm -hmm. show from like a link versus like your closet versus like an item listing, you know, that would be really interesting to see because then you can really change your marketing based off that. And welcoming in Jen. (laughs) I I am the worst, you guys. I literally had it on my calendar and I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, podcast with Ashley Thursday. <laughs> it's fine. I was like, I, I, I just woke up from, from like a nap after a whole day of work, you know? And then I like look at the time and I see your, your ping, Daniela. And I'm like, of course, of course I did that. So I'm like, oh, well, they're still on. I'm going to come on. Yeah. I know Ashley's it's- brilliant and probably telling us everything that we need to know about whatnot. <laughs> We were actually just diving into past shows right now uh-huh. her, and her experience with it. So um, I going off what you said, Ashley, I think, so I think the only way we have right now to promote on Poshmark is to use like that messaging the buyer feature, right? Like you can send out mm-hmm. a mass message to all your previous buyers and be like, hey, going live. But at what point does that become spammy? Like Poshmark. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Poshmark is going to have to come up with like a way to ping your followers, like in the notifications, like so-and-so is going live at this time, or like, they're going to have to come up with a way 
maybe it is with bookmarking. I don't know, but they've got to come up with something that's going to entice the 500,000 followers that I have on Poshmark. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they said they were looking into some sort of bookmarking type feature, which I'm really excited about. I feel like that's so helpful. So huge. But speaking of like also, because I, I don't think I did any, uh, like I, I'm, I'm so bad at using my, my shoppers, whatever it's called. I, I've used it once. <laughs> I don't really use it. But one thing I did, um, I didn't do it in my whole closet, but I just made sure to go through some items. It's like I sent out offers like on my entire like closet or whatever items, because I was like, well, that way without being spammy, they might still jump on community closet and they're like, oh, wait, what is this? And it might hop on from that. So that was kind of what I was thinking I'm doing now before my shows, like sending out offers um, to more of the masses to try to get people, more people on the app or at least in my closet. So I don't know how much it helps, but I'm sure it helps a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the fun thing about doing a live on Posh is we do have these other features that WhatNot doesn't have that we could utilize to maybe mm-hmm. entice people to come on. So I feel like that's a positive from it um, because they don't really have a way to promote it other than going to see who's going to be live I mean you don't know who the majority of those people are. I mean we know who a lot of them are because they're in our community but like the average person has no idea who Recloth Collection is like you yeah. know what I mean they don't know exactly unless they've interacted with you before so I don't know I'm very optimistic about the past shows and I think you'll see people and I I mean you can tell me if you agree or disagree I think you're gonna see people making slightly more on Poshmark than on whatnot thoughts no I agree and I think I'm really optimistic that more people are going to jump on buying into live selling I think a lot of people are very hesitant to really get into it they're kind of nervous about I don't know for whatever reason they might be but I think there's a lot of people that are just watching in shows are kind of like I don't know what this is I, I I might just like you know see who else bids on it like what happens like what the reviews are after it so I think it's going to be be important to continue to stay consistent with it because I do think more people are going to turn into live selling buyers. Kelly, like you said yourself, you're like, I'm not really sure I feel about it, you know, right now, but maybe mm. like, and I bet there's tons of other people out there like that, but they might, you know, be switched over by going into enough shows. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing I'm most excited for is eBay is going to be launching their live selling. And to I me, saw that. that's more exciting to me than even Poshmark because we have international buyers there. Yes, but that makes me so nervous, not gonna lie. <laughs> like I get so nervous thinking about eBay selling. I'm like, oh, and also like with all like the I don't just type of like you get all types of people on eBay, you know what I mean? Yes. So yeah, like of... it's it's a little nerve wracking the audience, right? That that yeah, might come. Yeah. Right. But I think that's kinda like what you're alluding to too, Ashley, is that like it's a new form of selling and I think it's one where you're really having to put yourself out there. So mm-hmm. a lot of times that there is a reason why a lot of people I think are nervous or a little bit resistant, right? On doing that. I think at least I know there's a lot of members in our community who got into this job due to maybe some social anxiety, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. um, not wanting to, you know, really put themselves out there or, or, or work better alone or whatever, rather than having to be that like social person, that front, that face. So yeah. I could see where some people might, struggle right with this new way of selling but it definitely seems like it's not really a fad if that makes sense because I would say at first I would think oh maybe this is just a trend and it's going to die down but it seems to be growing because places like 
Poshmark, now eBay, right, are jumping on this. Clearly, it's a way of selling. And people are excited about interacting with resellers and people who are not just, you know, hey, I'm selling my stuff, but people who actually do this for a living. And it is interesting, too, how like the tides have kind of turned where before it was like, we we're kind of like hiding, you know, resellers kind of like, oh, yeah, this is all my stuff. Or yeah, this whole cart full of stuff at the thrift store is all for my family, you know, like kind of like. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. People kind of hid before behind it, but now it's like being really celebrated and people are really interested in. And I think more people who are not in the community want to see the things that we're finding, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but it does bring its own challenges is what I'm trying to say. Right. Oh, for sure. But one thing I will say is I think and I think it does have a lot of benefit of like showing your face but for anyone out there who's like super nervous about it like you can do live selling without like showing your face like you can just keep the camera flipped around you know and and just kind of like pull the items and just do it like a almost like a thrift like a haul or something (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that's like it could be a good if someone's like super duper camera shy like a good like kind of slide in till you get more Mm -hmm. comfortable with it I love that idea yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it is a good idea because I've seen one person on whatnot do it where she has like um it reminds me of like an IV pole that you see at the hospital like it's just do you know what I mean (laughs) it's like a little hook and they just hang it there and then they flip it but they're off camera the whole time and they kind of show you the item and then they they run it off camera like you don't see them ever besides their arm coming in and then taking the next Mm -hmm. piece out like I think that is a way that someone can do it if they're not comfortable showing their face for whatever the reason may be whether it's Mm -hmm. I don't know people have reasons why they don't want to be on camera but they still might want to be a part of the live selling experience so I have seen people do that and I think that's a creative way of marketing your items and making some sales Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely or you know maybe even finding somebody that you trust you know that doesn't have that that like uh, worrisome feeling of being on camera or something you know that's also I think another option too I mean we hire people right to do so many different things for us for our businesses so you know maybe there is somebody like a like a family member that you trust that could go on and have that camera attitude or whatever and sell your things I think there's definitely ways to work around it if if that part makes you nervous for you to go on camera and show your face and talk to people, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And to just kind of throw this out there, since we're on Poshmark, the breaking news of yesterday is that Poshmark is now going to is being bought out and is going to be merging with this South Korean company who guess what their focus is live selling. So it's like, you clearly can see what direction Mm -hmm. the platform wants to go in. Yeah, it was on the wall. You know, I think if anyone was shocked by the news, they were more, I don't, maybe I'm just more in tune with business. I wasn't shocked that this was the news that came out yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
what mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised with was what company they went with, because it really shows where their true intentions lie. And it's with improving their application, having a better search fu- functionality, um, doing all the things that are really big right now in countries like in all like the Asian countries where fashion is huge mm-hmm. and live selling is an enormous part of buying in Asian countries. So it's like you can you can see that's where this tech company wants to go. And it doesn't mean that the traditional platform is going to die off and you're never going to be able to sell that way again. It just means that if you're comfortable enough or at least try to this new way of selling and you never know how it's going to work for you. Um, I'm extremely optimistic with it all. I think the news yesterday was more encouraging for me than anything else. But like, OK, I can stick by this. I'm going to see how it goes the next year. And and kind of go from there. Yeah, I'm really excited about the change. I feel like initially, and I feel like it's really normal to hear that kind of news and just kind of think change and different. And when it comes to your business, you can be so used to how you do things and any little small bit of like, you know, this might be different can be, you know, scary. But when you really take a step back and look at what it means for Poshmark and such, it is really an optimistic change that it's not going to change your business necessarily but if it does change it it's, it's just going to help you better sales and you know have better opportunities with the platform absolutely jen yes. now you work in tech so give us your perspective yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know i think i've said it before and i'll say it again i think that poshmark wants to be a social Platform. Absolutely. That is what they want to be. They want to be like an Instagram. They want to be like a Facebook. It's something I think that they've wrestled for a really long time with their identity because the biggest thing that they want is they want people on their platform all the time. That's what they want. That's why they keep the sharing. I've said, you know, it's like because it's a way to have to keep people actively on their site. So by having these live sales now, it actually encourages people and there's a reason for people to be on the site now, right? Because you have these sales, you have people interacting there, more people are buying, people are now interacting, having some, you know, so, uh, social connections now too, um, where I know before, you know, they tried to do like videos or stories and it didn't really seem to kind of work because right. I don't know a lot of people that actually mm-hmm. did those kind of things. But these videos, it makes the most sense because it brings their engagement up a lot higher, which is something that they've always struggled with. And it's something that they've always wanted. So like you said, Danielle, I'm not surprised that this tech company is coming in here and wanting to buy this because this is the future of reselling. You know, it's like I said, it's not a trend. It's something where people want Mm -hmm. to be on these sites and be on there for a long time. And I think they've also embraced the fact that they do have influencers. They have resellers who have really promoted this platform and show that they can build a really, you know, nice life of doing this full time, you know, and, and not shying away from that. And that's also a big thing by embracing that too. Um, you know, I think that the sky's the limit, you know, for Poshmark, I think they're going in the right direction. And I think, like you said, if you can get in onto this, I think your the algorithm will favor you. You know, you'll get more and more followers. Now followers are actually going to mean something. I know. Now it's like, wait, I'm so happy that it's mm-hmm. built up the way it's been. It's crazy. I'm yeah. like, who knew that it would mean something? It I would know. mean something, exactly. And 
On top of that too, your followers are not just other resellers. Your followers mm-hmm. are actual buyers, actual mm-hmm. people. I can't tell you how many closets that I follow just because I like their stuff. And they could have like 500 followers. I don't care. But you know, yeah, I like no. all the things that they have um, because mm-hmm. they're cleaning out their closets. So I think it's going to also push other people, smaller sellers, which again, will boost up their engagement to want to do these types of things to get rid of things also quicker because people are mm-hmm. selling things and they're selling things for a really good price because there's something about having a live person seeing the way the fabric moves, you know, kind of talking about it in just in real time, as opposed to just a picture, whether it's beautiful or not. Right. And mm-hmm. if you create a space that's exciting that people want to be a part of and you trust the seller too, people are going to want to buy from you over and over and over again. I mean, you can't imagine how many times people have been probably burnt from beautiful pictures thinking this thing is really great, but the lighting made it a lot lighter. You know what I mean? Or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, they fail to mention that this, you know, the fabric doesn't really move that it's really stiff or something like there's just more context to it so I think it's all really good you just said something that made me think of like our friends who are in the vintage world or even our friends who are in the designer world that could share stories about the pieces that they're showing and give a history lesson really like hey this piece is from the 1920s and here are all the facets about it and this is why this is made this way and this is why the value of it is so much higher than a piece made in the 1960s like I think that those those little niches are really going to do well with the live selling because just having a vintage piece or a designer piece posted doesn't necessarily do it justice right and I would say that the last piece is I would say whatnot was really smart and looking at, and I don't know if they did this, but I wouldn't be surprised. What is one thing that all of us, including the three of us in this room, all resellers love to watch on YouTube? What do we love to watch on stories? Everyone loves a haul video. For sure. (laughs) Everyone loves a haul video. They're the most that you probably have engagements on. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who it is. It doesn't have to be resellers. It's somebody like, wow, that girl found that at the thrift store. That's amazing. There's something about people just holding up a shirt, showing those tags. You know what yep. I mean? And, yep. and saying, I got this. This is how much you can get it for. Or this is how much I got it for. It's exciting to people. Even to me, you know, five, six years into reselling, I still love a good old haul video. Who doesn't, you know? So it's like they took that concept and turned it around where it was like, how can I make profit off of this type of thing? Because people obviously love to see it. That So that has to mean that people will want to buy it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I feel like there's so many people on whatnot that will literally just do like unboxing hauls and they'll just sell so much stuff. It's like literally the same as a haul <laughs> video, except they're just like, okay, who wants this now? And they're able to make so much money. Yeah, it's so crazy that that's like what they I've never really thought of it that way completely but it's so true Mm -hmm. I mean as human beings we like to interact with each other right it's just in our DNA we like that interaction that that feeling of like being wanted or having that attention or or giving attention to someone right and it just makes sense that if eBay auctions worked when they first were a business before they had buy it now, before, before all that, it was auction style. And mm-hmm. if that worked in the traditional auctions, auctions still exist today for cars, for all different mm-hmm. things. Why can't we make it video? And why can't we have this whole community around it? Like 
whatnot's been around for six years, something like that. They've been around for a while. They're not brand, brand new, but they're onto something. And maybe they follow the markets across the world where they've been doing live selling for a while. I mean, we don't know what their market research looked like, but if people in other countries are doing this and they're successful, why can't we be successful at it? And just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. Like my, I envision myself if I do a live sale, maybe doing it once a month and like having a drop, right? Like a theme. Mm -hmm. And there's all these different kinds of things that are going to be in this one specific show that I'm going to do this month. Like I can see myself doing that. I can accommodate for that. I can make plans around it. Like I can make that happen, but to do what you're doing, Ashley, and do a show, however many days a week that you do, which is a lot. (laughs) It was only a lot like that one week. I think I'm going to go back to just like twice a week. And I, I think it's a good point to bring up one thing with the live selling is that it changes reselling to more of a slightly passive income to more like you have to show up for a show mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. is like the big issue with it you know just preparing for it and like you're only as one person let's just say you know if you were to max out and do two shows a day like you still have to show up for the two shows or if you go on vacation like if you want to make money if you were let's say only doing live shows like you wouldn't make money if you didn't do that live show you know so that is like the one thing and that's why I'm definitely uh, like, of course, still listing and selling on Poshmark and eBay and thinking of this just as like a totally separate thing, because I don't want to give up that more passive or at least easier to prepare type of income. I think yeah. you're doing it yeah. right. 100% because Jen and I have said this, the people who completely left the platforms and went right to live selling and neglected the platforms. I personally don't think that was, that's a smart business decision because what happens if that live platform closes down tomorrow? Now mm-hmm. you've got to do weeks worth of work to get your other regular platform that you run all the time that you were consistent with back up to par. And we all know that can take a couple of weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that whole, like we've talked about before, not putting your eggs in one basket, all your eggs in one basket, you know, I think we as entrepreneurs, it's really, really important to diversify and make sure that we have our things selling on the most platforms that we're comfortable with, or, you know, whatever it is for you. And like, that is the nice thing about reselling. Like you kind of said, Ashley, where it's like having a system down where it can become passive income. That's always the goal, right? We want to make money and work smarter, not harder kind of thing. But this whole platform sale, it is a lot more work and it is less of an opportunity to automate, right? This process, Mm -hmm. because it needs to be you showing up. Yes, like I said, you could hire somebody, you could do all that kind of stuff, but all that takes time, right? To train and to find somebody that you trust. And basically that person would become like the face of your brand. Are you comfortable with that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's always the question too, but it is interesting that it does bring different, different challenges. I would say, however, it can be very lucrative. It's just figuring out completely, you know, how to maneuver around this, this new way of selling. Exactly. Now that's why I'm so excited to like, I'm still, you know, I haven't had even had the time to even figure it all out yet, but I'm really excited. I even like been thinking about my space and what I want to do to prepare for shows and such like that to be able to, you know, do less work but still have a show. Because I mean, at the end of the day, two shows a week, if you can at least prepare for them beforehand and spend, and that's why I try to keep my shows short because I'm like, if I can keep them within an hour, 
And if I were to even prepare, let's say on a Sunday for two shows that happened during the week, and I was able to make, you know, $800 on both show for only, you know, two extra hours during that week, then that's awesome. I think, and what I learned from having five shows a week is that and until you fully, fully get yourself grounded, it is not worth draining yourself and slaving yourself just because you can, even if you can make so much money in a show, like at least for me, it's not like worth my like life away in mm-hmm. order to do that, you know? I was just going to say like what, you don't even have a life if you're doing that because in your instance, exactly. you have a job that you work outside of reselling. So you've got to do things for that that job that you have, even though it's flexible, you still need to dedicate time to that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply being active is important to you. You have a puppy, you have a significant other, like there's all these facets that go within. It's like, do you like, do you want to be live every day and then do all the shipping and then still have to list on Poshmark? Like you got to find that boundary. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, and I was doing so good about slowly getting into it. You know, I had one show, like, but all this happened a month. I had one show one week and then I had two shows one week and then I had two and a half and then I went to like five I I should just stayed like one like one for a while or at least just two I just kind of like I don't even know where it came from to be honest um so the I excitement think you, yeah and I honestly I have a ton of inventory so that's kind of like oh I can like you know get rid of all this and things are taking up space but even with that in mind even if you find yourself overwhelmed with inventory don't feel like you have to like just push out so many shows it's not worth it at least that's what how, I learned. How do you think you're going to balance both platforms now since you're live selling on both? I think I'm going to do, and especially like we talked about before with not, we're seeing kind of what's happening with the whatnot buyers. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go to one show a week on both and do one on Poshmark, one on um, whatnot. And then maybe if anything, again, we I don't want to push myself. I might, if anything, I would rather maybe do two shows on Poshmark and one on whatnot. But again, I think I need to take a step back and only do two shows a week um, and continue to optimize our process and see what's done well on both and go from there. I think it'll be interesting to see, this is like the nerd in me, and I'm sure you two will agree, but like look at the data from both shows once you've compiled like maybe three months worth and see what's selling Mm -hmm. on which platform and using Uh that as like your sourcing strategy to say, okay, these are the items that tend to move at this price point on Poshmark. When I do my live shows, these are the things that I'm going to focus on versus if I, you know, when, if I continue on whatnot, this is what seems to be moving over here and kind of like weighing that out to really strategize it all. I think that's once you have more months under your belt, you can really be just like we're strategic with what we list on each platform. It's going to work the same way. Yeah. But I'm also, I'm almost kind of, I kind of like if whatnot and Poshmark have different things Mm. that sell better on them, because what that means is when you're outsourcing, there's just more things you can pick up and there's a place for everything. 
where especially with live selling mob people are like oh I'm running out of inventory it's hard to know like things that pick up versus if things sell differently on both platforms then you can almost like double what you're picking up but make the same amount of money because I'm all about when it comes to sourcing you know sourcing takes time and if you're going out sourcing not finding anything then that's you know money that you kind of just away during that time so if you're able to go sourcing and pick out double what we what you usually do then that's like more money per hour you're technically making so yeah there's so many I mean there, there really are a lot of positives too and I think when when so Jen and I we will be honest when we first like when what not was first thing we were like really like what is this like why 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 Another I mean that, yeah you know what I mean this other thing and like is this really gonna last like Jen said but the more and more that we're interacting with people that have been on the platform the more we talk to people in a patreon group about it and everything and we see the benefits of it all and how it's evolved in a really positive way like I, mm-hmm. I'm, I am I'm, I'm excited for all the people that are having success success on it I'm curious to see how it develops and like where I'm going to fall in it. If I do fall into it, I don't know. Um, but I do love having these conversations with people in the community to just get different ideas of where everyone's kind of at with it. And I think overall, it's been very positive for people. Um, what would be your tips, Ashley, to, to people who are listening that maybe have had a harder time with the live selling and are struggling to whether it's get people into their shows or sell the items, like what, what advice would you give to those that are listening? It's, I, it's, I will honestly say it's hard for me at this point to even know the best thing to tell people. Cause I do feel like everyone's experience is so different. And I know mine having a positive experience from it. It's really hard for me to even put myself in someone's shoes, even if I have gone to different shows and stuff like that. So I don't want to just like blurb out advice. I'm like, oh, this would be easy, make sense. When in reality, it might not be true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I were to really try to think the best thing and kind of what I went into as just to make sure that, you know, you are making some money with it, especially since everything is pretty style-based, would be honestly to just, decrease your cost of goods and sell things based off of style I think that is a good way to if you're going to start off a show that way that way you can start up low even if like it only sells for six dollars let's say you're getting something from the bins or whatever you're still making money from these shows that you're putting all this time into versus starting something off at twenty dollars and you know you don't get a reoccurring reoccurring audience because it's just too expensive you can start off small maybe have a couple buyers, build up your reviews, build up your customer base. And then slowly from there, if you want to change what you're selling, slowly integrate it into that way. Because even in terms of what I sell on the platforms, like I have been out thrifting more and I don't, um, you know, usually I send 40, 50 items on 40, $50 in items I'm putting into my Poshmark closet versus my cost of goods for, you know, live selling is anywhere between five and $20. So it has decreased. So it's just a totally different way of selling. And I feel like that would be my advice if I were to go back or if I, you know, wasn't able to bring people to my show, I would focus on lowering my cost of goods, really just because I sell things and sometimes make only $3 on it, even if it looks like it sold for $50. (laughs) I think that's important, though. That honesty is super important, (laughs) Ashley. Like, that's the reality. Even though you may have sold it for, even if you had sold it for $100, 
the reality is Ashley could have only made 10 on that. Like you don't know. So, and that's why it's like my profit is really similar probably to people shopping at the bin. So I think it's really important to see like, even if the sales I'm making, it's like, wow, things are selling, let's say between like 40 and $60. It's like, I'm probably making the same profit as someone selling something for 20 to 30 on those specific items. So starting low, like I even thought about going like bin shopping more because you can just get things for a dollar and sell them for $25 and make that $20 profit. And that's my goal with live selling is $20, $30 profit. So yeah, I know that was kind of a lengthy advice, but I always no, give it as a 10. Honest advice though. It's like, you're still new at it. So it's hard to even say like, what's the best practices. I think it's so new for everyone. It's hard to say what yeah. pra- best practices are. And I think some other people might, you know, clap back and say, um, but I don't have a following on social media. And my response to those people are, I don't really think you need a following on social media for the live selling in the same way that you need a following for YouTube. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's like, I've seen so many people who have showed up on whatnot, and they have gotten such great consistency, people in their shows are selling things well, and they're continuing to do it because they're making good money. But I will also say what I like the trend I've seen with those people is they are getting their inventory cheaper yes. and starting. And, and that's why I say that. Cause like the people I have seen that have grown a following that continue to do it, that I know are making good money from it. That's what they've been doing. And it's been working from them. Um, so I think that's like the best way to show up. And yeah, I think it's really easy to say, you know, it's impossible if I don't have a large following. I will say it's helpful, but it's oh, not I'm sure. impossible. And people can definitely get into it it shouldn't be like a complete barrier to entry if you don't have a big following yeah I've seen people that I've never heard of on whatnot or on past shows that I I have no idea who they are and they have no social media following and they can maintain 100 people in a show and they Mm -hmm. sell things so right you know I just think it's a matter of like you said showing up being consistent and having the inventory that people are looking for I mean just simple market research and googling a few things seeing what's trending like very basic go on YouTube go on YouTube and see what bloggers are posting and what's trending get an idea of like what buyers are looking for there's so much information out there and you don't have to be a fashion expert you know just get an idea mm-hmm. yeah style is everything that's for sure but that's what and going into Poshmark quickly that's what's almost like I kind of like about Poshmark is that it seems to be a little bit more brand based Yes. versus like whatnot you can get away with like literally anything target walmart style. doesn't matter yes yes <laughs> as long as it's style based versus yeah and that's why i was so shocked how well some of the mature designer stuff sold like i will not forget that i had this actress punto dress that i was like oh i can't like put this for sale because i, I was showing it then i found out i had this like rip in the seam and I was like, if you want me to like run it, I can. Or someone was like, oh, just go ahead and run it. So I was like, okay, I'll just like, I'm just going to run this for a dollar because I, I feel bad. Like it has this rip, right? And it's selling for $81. Oh my God. And I had like an actress Punto on whatnot, very similar style. I would compare these dresses pretty much the same caliber. And it sold for, I think, 40 or $50. No rip, perfect condition. So that just shows you the difference between Poshmark and whatnot. Which is why Poshmark Shows is so exciting to me. 
Like yeah. I do well on Poshmark. It's my main platform. I can give eBay love as well. It has been very good to me, but Poshmark was a majority of where my sales come from and they just have a different buyer pool. And I think that's what I'm excited to see your journey, Ashley, and how it continues to evolve on the Posh shows because um, you've done really well on there. And so have others in the community, but I've specifically watched your shows and the viewership is high. And I feel like you're having a better return on investment on things too. And I don't know, I think the possibilities are endless now with the merger that's going to be happening. So I think it's all good things. Yeah, all good. I'm very interested to see how, because I'm my second show tomorrow. I'm very interested to see how this goes. No, like, full-on beta phase. Second show. I, I'm, I'm just very interested. So we'll see. I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will be there. I will be there. I, I think I watched um someone else's show yesterday. It was their second one, I think, second or third. And it was pretty smooth. The only complaint Ooh. that I heard was... um people wanting to cancel because they couldn't bundle so I could oh. see that becoming a priority to Poshmark mm-hmm. oh yeah I hope so then if that's the case yeah well fingers crossed it goes well you'll be fine <laughs> oh I'm sure <laughs> Ashley will be fine but yes yeah, I mean will. I think like we said this is kind of exciting times because it's just a new way of selling and we are all together trying to navigate and figure out this whole new way of selling you know, so that's really mm-hmm. the big thing. So we may not all have the answers right now. We're yeah. all, you know, still trying to figure it out. Like you said, Daniela and I were like, oh no, no way. You know, <laughs> you're definitely go back like those, maybe 10, yeah. 12 episodes. <laughs> Naysayers <laughs> and stuff. And we can admit to that too, but obviously there is something here. So I think we said, like we said, with, with Poshmark opening up these live sales. I mean, now is the time to give it a shot. You know, the platform, you know it well, you're comfortable Mm -hmm. with it. It's not like you have to go off to whatnot and figure all that things, all those things out. Uh, Now's the time, you know, give it a shot. And maybe finally, like we said, those like 250,000 followers that you have might actually come in handy. You never know. (laughs) Maybe we should use some of the posh tools that they've launched to us over the last year. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for coming onto the podcast again. We love having you on here. You know that. We always appreciate you you coming on I love being here. Uh, (laughs) And we'll definitely catch up. And I want to do this with anyone that we have on that comes to talk about whatnot. Like maybe in six months, we'll just do like one big round table where everyone comes on who we talk to about whatnot. And we just go, okay, it's been six months now. So where we at? What's it like? Like, It could look completely different in six months. And I think that's the exciting part of it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm down for it. Just yeah. let me know. <laughs> we gotta get Regina on here next. So if you're listening, Regina, yes, we're gonna be reaching should. out to you. Yes. We'll get her on here too. <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening to this episode about whatnot with Ashley. We will be back next time with probably going back to the motherhood series. We'll see. We're gonna be sprinkling little things in between. So it's not all the same all the time. But thank you everyone for listening. We'll chat next time. Bye. Thank you.